We are no one. We are everyone. And we are invisible. We convinced ourselves that they were gone. But they were just hibernating. They came for everybody. All police. Are we safe? I guess we have ourselves a reckoning. What are you two talking about? Oh, nothing. Just the end of the world. Welcome back to We Watch Watchmen. Uh, this time we're going over episode two, titled Martial Feats of Comanche Horsemanship, which uh, is the title of this episode and the name of a painting that we see later in the episode. But joining me through this uh, headlong uh, hurling through alternate history is my good friend, Mr. Daryl Taylor. How you doing? And Vigilante of Tulsa, Mr. Chub Toad Sheldon. Yo. Wow. So I was really worried that after the first episode, the second episode wouldn't be able to pay off, but I really thought it did, man. Oh, yeah. It didn't just pay it off. I think it's gone to another level. I, I'm very excited to talk about this episode. There's so much good stuff in this episode. I mean, even on the edges, like the American Hero Story stuff and mm-hmm. everything like that, but... So let's just you know get right into it. Um, this episode starts off with a German typing pool. Uh, it's during World War One, uh, and there's a bunch of German women typing uh, in a room, and uh, a woman by the name of Fraulein Muller is called into her uh, boss's office. And I just want to mention Muller, also the last name of Ralph Muller, who was thought to be uh, hooded justice. Right. But we also yeah. find out, like, in the American Hero story, that maybe he wasn't Hooded Justice, because the narrator's like, you know, I just wanted him to think they were me. it was me, you know. So, anyway, I don't know if that's an Easter egg or not. <clears throat> that was anyway, my point. anyway, she gets called into her boss's office, and is dictated a propaganda letter uh, to appeal to the black soldiers on the lines in World War One, And the, the, uh, the letter goes, and, uh, one of these propaganda flyers falls into the hands of Will's dad, um, who is reading it as the person, as we hear the uh, audio of the uh, German guy dictating it. And uh, it says, you know, what is democracy? You know, what is justice if if you could be lynched? If you could be, and I guess this, I also checked this out. This was a real thing they did. Yeah, it happened. It I had met, I had forgotten about this because this has been a, a oof. This is like a, this show hits so many. It hits on so many like topics that are, again, not topics that people want to talk about or think about. You always hear about the greatest generation, but you never dig into well, this what is people of color is, had to deal with. Well, huh? this is. Well, I mean, this is a generation before that even. Yeah, you know? but I mean, it, you got to realize it's just like a gener, like maybe what two generations away from slavery, right? It was like nineteen, yeah, 18, yeah. Ni- nineteen, nineteen, right around there, maybe. 
but it, that's how hard I mean but it, I guess it will we will see more of, of, of people dealing with that like you are trying to to do the right thing right you're trying to you're trying to serve your country but at the same time you're serving a country that there is part of that country that treats you right in a, in a way that is inhuman so it's it's that you know you I I for sure you know that this is going to come back uh this is something that's going to come back to to be dealt with in the show with with the current what's going on currently like you can almost feel it, it happening with uh oh yeah they well they keep referring tonight. they keep referring back to it yeah uh, the the paper and uh now we find out that this same flyer was what he wrote you know watch over this boy on mm-hmm. um but we as um as Will's dad is reading the, the propaganda, he gets spit on by a white officer walking or riding by on a horse. Oh, that just, almost hurt. Just as the, he's reading about being lynched, you know, and yeah. what is democracy and what is uh, what is justice and stuff. Um, to look at, like, kind of punctuate what is being sold in the propaganda, right? Mm-hmm. And as um, we, trans- oh, we, uh, we transfer from uh, Will as a boy, I'm just going to, he's the boy, I'm just going to say that he, I mean, we I think enough dots have been connected that we can figure out that he is this young boy, yes? Uh, yeah. I, think, I yeah. figured that in the first episode that's, when he pulled the paper out and that right. That's, exactly. That's, that's what, what I, I thought. Yeah. I was just making sure I wasn't you know, inten- unintentionally spoiling something. No. Um, as Will, Will as a boy is reading the flyer aloud, and uh, he's reading it to his father, and his father you know, tells him to put it away, and then he's reading it again as an old man, and we transfer to... Uh, you know, watch over this boy written on it, and we transfer to the very end of episode one. But this time, we see it from Will's POV, right? Right. Um, we see her drive up in the car, tell him to put the light away or she'll shoot. And uh, after she sees what is going on and what's happened, uh, Angela hurriedly grabs Will in his wheelchair and wheels him off camera. And the title credits are there in the hanging tree. Yeah. Um, again... I'm glad they keep doing the. I, I, I'm glad that they're probably going to do credits like this for every episode. Yeah, it kind of works for me. I forgot to mention that the the actual Watchmen uh, title of the show was typed. Uh, the yeah, it came from a typewriter, but it was uh, still uh, yellow. Yeah, not yeah. like a typewriter typing. So I, I forgot to mention that. But yeah, uh, martial feats of Comanche horsemanship. Um, is the title of the uh, episode. Uh, Angela takes Will to Milk and Hanoi wah, wah, uh, <laughs> and asks him questions. Uh, who are you? You know, and he says, I'm the guy who strung up your chief of police. And, uh, you know, she's like, no, it isn't. And, she, and then he says that maybe uh, I'm Dr. Manhattan. You know, and I did it with my mind powers. And, uh, she says, "You're not Dr. Manhattan. He's blue and he's on Mars." Oh man, I'm I'm totally I'm sorry. I totally missed something here. I very very forgive. I hope I'm forgiven here. Um, Angela basically handcuffs him and makes him a cup of coffee. And as the coffee brews, she goes down into her like um, uh, you know setting up area where we saw her get dressed right. up before Sister Night. Her inner sanctum, they call right, it. Right, right, and yeah. just starts her, beating her back cave. Right, the Sister Cave. 
and she just keeps beating on the wall furiously. But it's she's guttural, just, like yeah, the she's sound so that comes so, out of her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, it was almost animalistic. I mean, just the rage—you could tell. But I, I, what is so I think what's so important about it was, and and the acting goes into it also, is that in these superhero, you know, you see these stories where death happens and just people just get all get over it. Um, but they took time to show her like that pain in her before she. You know, comes back and 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 goes back to doing what she was doing. Well, but plus, it was just, like, oh, we saw yeah. last episode how close they were. Like, uh, yeah. Friends, yeah, and we see how that friendship kind of starts here in this episode. Yeah, but, but they yeah. want you to know that death was. I mean, but they, but they actually it just reinforced it with you know, like you see, we see movies and stuff like that where stuff happens and they, you know, there's a couple of tears, but then they they move on. But for her to but I think they really made it important to actually show her because um, it'll make it, it's even more important for what she learns later. Um, but to show her how much pain she was, she's in because of the loss of her mentor. I thought it was just, it just was so well done. Exactly. I totally agree. Um, Angela suits up at sister night and then gets Willis coffee. And uh, Will is like, oh, you got dressed. He also, when he gets the coffee, he says, got any sugar? She yeah. says, no. And he goes, huh, some bakery. <laughs> <laughs> um, she she keeps drawing him with questions. She keeps getting like little snippets of facts, though, you know. Mm-hmm. He says he's uh, 105 years old. He keeps uh, insisting that he's the one who strung up Judd. Like I said, he says he's Dr. Manhattan. And then there's a scene where he says he needs his pills. And he says he needs his pills because it's a long time since he's been home. And they have this shot where the pill bottle is, like, prominent in the shot in bright red, right? Yeah. Yeah. He makes a big deal of these pills, so. Yeah, he does. They do. Um, he tells uh, Angela, you know, uh, why did, you know, she says, why did you string him up? And he said, he had skeletons in his closet. Uh, and then he goes on to say there's a vast and insidious conspiracy here in Tulsa. And she's like, why don't you tell me about it? And he says, I, if I told you about it all at once, your head would explode. And uh, she keeps he keeps insisting that he's the one who strung up the chief of police. She takes the coffee from him, uh, bags the coffee cup in a, in a plastic bag, uh, and she gets beeped about Judd's death. From you know the police, so letting her know it's happened because obviously they didn't figure out that she had already been there. Right. Yeah. So I didn't even figure out that she had done that just to get the the uh, the DNA. That's what I thought she was just. I was like, wow. She's, she's big I didn't nice. either until she picked the cup up in the bag. I just yeah, I didn't it. think of it See, either. You guys need to watch more Law and Order and less Criminal Minds because that's they do that move on Law and Order all the time. I know they do. It they do it on Criminal too. Minds too and CSI and NCIS. But I was just, just so into the scene that I yeah. that I. But what I like is that the show is so smart and that I totally didn't. There's always well they always show this so far like just even with two episodes there's always. Uh, uh, a double meaning or, or to, to people's actions. It's never the, exactly what you see on, you know, on the surface. And this show does it. I mean, even in the second episode, it does a great job of, of, of doing that. Like even the little scenes here and there. 
and you know they're going to call back to something with that cocaine. Of you know, it, it happens in this episode where they mention it. Yep. Uh, and you're like, because in even in the pre when they show you know the, the the before what happened before in the episode, and you see them that scene of the cocaine thing, and you're like, why would that even matter? But then you, as the episode goes, it makes total sense why they 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 show you that in the preview. But I just can't get over how good the show is, and it's just two episodes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. She uh, handcuffs Will and uh, hops into her car to go out to the uh, the, the um, crime scene. Uh, while this is going on, we cut to a newsstand with two dudes talking very much like the newsstand in the original comic. Only they appreciated the visual of this. Yeah. Really yeah. You see in the foreground a copy of the New Frontiersman that says, Global Squid Falls Baffle Scientists. Now, here's an interesting thing to me. In the original comic, the New Frontiersman was kind of like a fringe paper. Right. You know what I mean? It was kind of like, you know, it was laid out by hand on, like, old layout sheets and stuff. Right. This looks like it's one of the major papers. Like, there's bundles of it. You know what I mean? It made me think of how Fox News started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It was like a fringe uh, program in the beginning and no one thought it would you know grow to where it is now but it's a now ma- it's major yeah. it's a major program but yeah that's what it made me think of it i wonder if that was part of the thinking when they when he did that scene we also see a poster in the background from the new york times that say uh, says uh, squids drop on four cities and the guy delivering the paper says to the the newsstand guy uh, he tells him tulsa vancouver Jakarta and Leningrad were the cities that got hit with squids. Mm. Like in different places all over the world. Right. And um, the news, the newspaper, uh, the newsstand guy goes says it's about a vast conspiracy to keep everybody down and all this other stuff. And then the guy's like, oh, so you're a Senator Keene, man. And he's like, no, he's full of shit too, man. <laughs> <laughs> you don't believe none of that. So, uh. um... While they're talking, a, uh, a young girl, or a teenage girl, I guess, in a beret comes up and gets a big stack of papers, and it's obvious she's, like, a regular. Right. Like, who's always getting stuff there. And uh, he tells her that the uh, new issue of the Nova Express won't be until this afternoon. But here's the rest of them, and here's this big stack of papers and magazines. And uh, he leans forward, and he says, does she really read all those? And then... Uh, the girl is like, of course she does, don't you? And the the uh, newsstand guy says, I read it. I just don't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so uh, Nova Express is also a callback to a, a magazine uh, in the uh, original comic. Uh, it was the liberal magazine, uh, as it were. Uh, we then cut to the crime scene. There is a huge police presence. Yeah. Tons of cops. And they have it, like, blocked off way, way, you know, far away from the, the crime scene so no one can get in there. Um, Angela drives through as Sister Knight and her Monte Carlo. Uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. reporters are hounding her in the windows and stuff. Um, she gets there. Judd is still hanging in the tree. And uh, she has a talk with Looking Glass. This scene, dude. Mm. This scene, okay? It was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, Looking Glass is like, you got anything to eat? 
And she says, yeah, there's some uh, peanuts in the glove box there. So he pulls his mask up, like, just halfway and eats. And we see that again. Very Rorschach-y, you know? Very much so. Yeah. Uh, totally wrong reminded because Looking Glass tells, you know, she's like, did he suffer? And Looking Glass says, says oh, yeah, he totally did. He went hung alive. Uh, you know, there were ligature marks. He tried to break the rope, all this other kind of stuff. She's, you know, he's like, he's alive. He was hung. He was alive until he wasn't. And then the looking glass starts to try to get into some interrogation with Angela, you know, because he knows that Judd was there last night. Yeah, he's on. He's totally on. And he's like, asking, he asks her, you know, was he drunk? Mm -hmm. Was he high? And she's like, he had a little blow. He goes, oh, it sounds like quite a party. And she goes, my kids were there. He goes, your kids, huh? And, uh, she's like, she gets mad at him. She goes, are you trying to interrogate me, you and she's yeah. like, she's like, why would I, and, and looking glasses back like, uh, why, why would I try to interrogate you? And she goes, cause you're a cold glass. And you he goes, that, and then he says, then why am I crying under this mask? You think that he suspected that she had gotten there first and knows more? I don't know. I couldn't tell from think, that, from that grilling. I just thought from his personality is he doesn't trust any like he he only, he doesn't trust anybody. He's always questioning. Yeah, everybody. yeah. And and before you know it, you you're interrogated. He pretty much is trying to read everyone to see what's you know to see what they know or if there's something they're not telling him about this thing. Yeah. Plus, plus later he's like totally. Well, the whole well we'll get there pretty soon, but right. Plus he knew they he, he she saw him the night before. Right, okay. and she kind of, um, he kind of is more of an observer all the time, like Daryl was saying. Right, right. Anyway, while they're talking, their um, conversation is interrupted by someone crashing into the windshield. Um, we hear Red Scare say, Goddamn moths! So I'm guessing this is like <laughs> a variant of the Mothman technology? I'm assuming that. That's, yeah. Which but I didn't the, expect to see. No, no. me either. <laughs> But they're paparazzis, and they're kind of like these uh, ramshackle wings that don't look like they're very stable. No, it was and, it was actually a funny scene to watch in a way. It after, was. after how heavy the scene was, and to turn, I don't know. It was I I, I appreciated it. I thought it was funny. Yeah, they they look like they had almost no control over how they could fly, and like the, it just looked really flimsy and stuff. And uh, one of the downed paparazzis like. Calls Red Scare a Nazi, and he goes, I'm not a Nazi, I'm a communist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looking Glass tells him to stand down. Red Scare says, oh, are you in charge now? And Looking Glass says, no. So Red Scare says, so who, the, who the F is? Which, by the way, because at the time of the graphic novel, we were still in the Cold War, the Soviet Union still did exist. In this TV show, has it been... Did did the Soviet Union not fall? Did the wall stay up? Did, have they mentioned anything like that? I would think after uh, Saigon, after the fall of Saigon and everything, they probably retreated. That's yeah. what I would, because um, I mean, because Red, I don't know if he's all that relevant well, with that name, you know. Well, I think I think it's kind of like a a quaint thing now, you know, like uh, yeah. dressed up like a fifties greaser or something, you know what I mean? Because we get, like, to the end of Watchmen, we get, like, that Burgers and Borscht. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's, you know, this new, um, like, cooperation between the United States and the USSR. I mean, that was the whole point of what Ozymandias did, right? Right. So I'm thinking that 
the whole Cold War probably kind of, I mean, I don't know. I think there's more of an interplay between the two powers now, you know, with all this time gone by. And he's kind of calling back to a time when there wasn't. You know what I mean? He's kind of like... Because you would see that. I, I think that totally makes sense. I mean, even... You, you look at uh, even allies. I mean, you know, there's still going to be that callback with stuff. Like You can still see it. You know, people uh, remembering the old times. It's, it's just the way everything... Everything is like that. It's, it's just every country... Then as he says, who the F is, uh, Angela's like, we need to get him down. So as they're cutting him down, uh, Angela's like holding on to him and has a flashback uh, to two minutes till midnight of Christmas. Five years ago, Christmas, white night. They're listening to Santa Baby. They're having a nice time together. He He's waiting till Cal's waiting till midnight so he can yeah. open that big present under the tree. And they're kind of being flirty and stuff. And then all of a sudden, Angela's like, Good dialogue, around. but such good dialogue for yeah. a fan. You know, like, none of it seems fake or, you know, it just, it feels like this is what a couple would say, you know, during Christmas. So it seems so genuine. And no kids, right? You get that sense of, wait a minute, when this is before the kids were there, so. Right, we find out soon after what where the kids came from, actually. Right, right. I didn't even think of either. When you, when you finally find out, you're like, I'm so dumb. Why didn't I realize? Totally makes sense. It makes perfect sense. She turns on kind of a dime, uh, mood-wise. Does she? It says, like, there's somebody in our home. Yeah. And from from there, it becomes a home invasion with two of those Russia, uh, 7th Cavalry guys uh, busting in. She's able to take one out with a knife. But then another one comes up. And has her and shoots her in the abdomen, pretty much where she said in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he kind of has her dead to rights. She's laying on the ground, calling out for Cal, looking like she's about to die. And then she wakes up, and Judd is there in the hospital with her. And it never because sh- I I only got to watch the episode once. It never showed what happened because I mean he was about to pull the trigger in her face, so I'm assuming her husband or somebody intervened, or did I miss something? They didn't show. No, okay. they don't show it. They no. didn't show. Uh, Cal or uh, Judd is there. He said he sent Cal home to change his clothes after he sat there in that chair for three days waiting for her to wake up. You um, know, there's going to come back that missing time because there's something happened in, in between that missing time. Yeah, or something. Or so, yeah, exactly. Something is going on there. They wouldn't have edited that out, right? Yeah. Um, the white night has happened. Like I said, forty houses, all police. Um. It seems like it's kind of cementing their friendship that they've been mm-hmm. through this together. Yeah. And she says, I'm not going to quit. And he says, I'm not going to quit either. Uh, it turns out that her kids are the kids of her um, partner and his wife who were both murdered in White Night. Which kind of shows why that when that boy said that, you know, the thing about the uh, red forations, right. why that boy was so protective and why that set him off. About police, you know, with police and stuff. Well, plus when we have the little interlude with his racist uh, grandpa or whoever that yeah. was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. he wasn't reacting well with that either. No, no, not at all. So, those are, yeah, her partner Doyle, those are his kids. So, uh, all of our Nothing's On listeners, that's why Regina King got white babies. Guess why? <laughs> <laughs> it was a point of contention on Nothing's On last week. Oh, uh. 
Well, I figured they were foster parents, but then now well, this yeah. even explains it more. Yeah, yeah, but so, I wasn't sure if it was a. I just assumed like maybe it's a bunch of adoptions because of the you know the loss of life during that time. But it didn't even occur to me that oh, of course, it could be her partner's kids. All I know is I want the that magnetic building set thing he had because right. that was I know that was awesome. You mean the Dr. Mag... I was a Magnahattan <laughs> Yeah. Did it actually say that? Yes, it did. I, yeah. well, I, I, missed, I missed that. Okay. Hold on. It actually uh, is called... Uh, yeah, Dr. Magnahattan Blocks. Um, back to the present. Red Scare wants to go to Nixonville <laughs> and beat, beat the shit out of some people. Yes, he does. Um, it seems like he doesn't even want to find who did this just to, like... You know, vent. You know, just to yeah, he just wanted to punish them. He just wanted to punish somebody. They uh, they threatened to tear down the giant Nixon statue out in front if everybody doesn't come come on quietly to be questioned. Uh, you know, while he's counting down from ten before they knock down Nixon, somebody throws a bottle. Uh, Angela's like, "We don't need to do this, scare. Yeah. We don't need to do this." But it goes off anyway, you know. And they're they're you know all kind of brutality. They're grabbing people. Families out of their trailers and drag them into these, uh, you know, vans or whatever. Dogs, all kinds of stuff. And uh, Looking Glass and, and Sister Knight are just kind of standing there. Mm-hmm. And Looking Glass is like, you ain't interested in joining in? <laughs> and then she goes, this is damn unnecessary. But as soon as that happens, she gets attacked by one of the yeah. Nixon town abuse. Well, he 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 gets attacked first. Like he would have hit him first. And right, she, she like catches it. She saves Looking Glass from being yeah. hit, but then like uh, beats the living hell out of this guy. She brutally. gives into that anger. Yeah, yeah, and the music, the the Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross music. Oh, I love that, it. Oh, that, this music is great. That that shot uh, of you know looking up at her while she was laying down the the punches and stuff. Um. I wondered if she'd killed him. Scene. I mean, the way yeah, she was beating his face in, I was like, man. She could have. We see yeah. him more. Yeah, but there's more brutal face beating. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she goes to her car to chill out, man. She, she like, kind of pulls her mask down and goes to her car to chill out. And then she looks up and sees Will's mug. And remembers, oh, yeah, Will's mug. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So she takes it to the Greenwood Center for Cultural Heritage. Which is pretty cool place. Although out front there are a bunch of protesters, uh, they have signs that say "Red for Nation," uh, "Equal Rights for Equal Taxes." Uh, Red for Nation is uh, over taxation. So there are people outside protesting the actual center um, uh, for cultural heritage. And she goes inside, and there are holograms up in this piece. Man. Uh, it's like, is I thought it was like Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That, exactly. There's holograms. They have this yeah. like self-service DNA testing thing, and they don't have cell phones in this world. <laughs> That's right. And they also tell you a little bit more about government, too. Yeah. yeah insight to that. Well, after she passes the holograms, she goes to a kiosk that's uh, hosted by a video version of uh, Henry Louis Gates Jr., but you could call him Skip. Yeah. Uh, he's the Treasury Secretary in this uh, world. But uh, in our universe, he hosts a show about genealogy. 
It sure does. Which yeah. is uh, ironic that they'd use him for this, right? Yeah. Um, Angela runs Will's DNA through their uh, the uh, Redford Nation database. It says that only 1921 Tulsa survivors and descendants are eligible. Uh, as soon as she gets home, uh, Redneck Grandpa mm. is on the porch. And she's like, can you take a rain check? He goes, I'll take a real check. Must be nice making them red predations work, you know. It's just nice to see Bobby. She's like, get the F off my porch. Um, the kids are playing with Cal, and one is dressed as an owl, and one is dressed as a pirate. And the other one, Cal, is dressed as a ghost. So, um, not to put too fine a point on it, Night Owl, the Black Freighter, these are references to the, the original comic, obviously. And, you know, another word for ghost is specter, so. But uh, she tells him that, uh, she comes in, and they're like, we're going to make him walk the plank, the ghost. And she goes, well, you better put some heavy in his pocket so he doesn't fly away. I thought that was pretty cute. Um, Cal and Angela discuss, uh, you know, about Will and what to do. And uh, Cal tells uh, Angela that Judd's wife is having a wake later. Uh, Angela goes to talk to Topher. Uh, he's building the same castle we saw Dr. Manhattan build and we see Veet living in. We uh, And joining us, uh, however briefly we can have him, uh, Mr. Aaron Newworth of the Out Now with Aaron and Abe podcast, among many others. Aaron. What's up, watchers? We are right at the part where uh, Angela's talking to Topher with those really cool Legos, the Magnahattan blocks. Oh, okay, cool. Good scene. Yeah. There's a lot so, of good scenes. Great. Yes. Spoiler alert. We love this episode as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah. She, um, Angela comes in and tells her, you know, tells Topher that, you know, uh, I know what happened. There's some interesting lines in here. I mean, very inspiring, but also plot interesting. She says, I remember what happened to my parents. I know what happened to your parents too. So Angela, I mean, cause from what we find out about Will in this a little bit later, she really doesn't talk about her parents very much, but here she's saying that something bad happened to them, obviously. Um, she goes, you know, you know, some people think life is fair, lollipops and rainbows, but we know it's not like that. We know it's black and white. And then she tells Topher that Uncle Judd is dead, uh, mm -hmm. to, to which he responds kind of disassociatively, you know, he was a policeman, policemen die. Uh, he knocks over. He wasn't his real uncle anyway. Right. He knocks over that. But it's guy. like a mix because he, uh, he he says that, but he immediately like bursts in anger and like knocks the thing down. Right. Yeah. And then says, "Can I watch TV?" And then he also caringly says, "Let me tell the others." Like so, he's he's certainly got, he's playing with a lot of things, and it's neat because like they're not you know they're not blood relatives, but at the same time, he's got right. a lot in common with his mom. Like you can see that. Cool. Yeah, he mom. talks to her to him differently than she does uh -huh. the other kids. You could tell. Um, yeah, you can he, see that last scene. Was, yeah, like yeah. last week when they, uh, when he, uh, I mean, she was upset with his, her for son, but at the same time, she was like, "Well, kid, you know, he went for it." The Red Predations thing. So. Well, and the other the other two were probably too young to really remember much when. No. No. When her, their parents were killed, but he remembers for sure. Yeah, she's rubbing off. She's rubbing off on this. And, yeah, yeah. And, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he if he saw it. You know, saw the bodies. Could be. Well, so they, they say he says that Christopher grabbed the babies and went into the closet when his parents right, were killed right. in the hospital. Oh yeah, yeah. Judd, So 
You're right. You probably saw or experienced, you know, even listening the whole the whole damn thing well, to the closet door, you know. Yeah, which is why she doesn't even sugarcoat it and lets him, you know, later when we see him watching something that we know they say is not for kids. Um, this is after the whole white knight flashback, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yes, but it's. it's it's but the party's at the end, so we don't really right. find we're, out the, the Jed thing. Okay. Right. No. We're, we're just about to get the American hero story. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get to that. I only have so much time. So yeah, let's get to that. Okay. Let's, let's American, American hero story. story. Everybody, raise your hand if you if you think he was making fun of Zack Snyder. I do. Mm-hmm. Of course, I was cracking, <laughs> oh, cracking probably. up. That was so great. I didn't think he was making fun as much oh, as they were just poking. The saturated, the saturated lighting and the colors. <laughs> That gravelly voiceover with the unreliable narrator. And the, the very well, over-the-top narration that's, like, super serious. Yeah, and so exactly. It was, de- it was oh a dead-on, like, interpretation. So it's hard. the Snyder Cut. The super violence where he, like, stabs a guy, like, eight times and then breaks his arm. Oh, my God. Anyway, <laughs> um, we, we, um, we see Angela put the little kids to bed and go out, and Topher is watching... American Hero Story. Actually, he's not watching the show yet. He's watching the longest parental discretion advising oh warning yeah. ever. Oh my god! If you wear a red hat and you uh, are fourteen and you chew gum, you are not allowed to watch. If you were born program. on a Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, it's like what the hell? As they show tough for watching it, you know, adult supervision is you know, advised. You know, it's like they they warn against violence. Hate crimes, anti-Semitism, uh, <laughs> insensitivity to the LGBT community, language. which is which is it's interesting because I mean we we talked about I mean like they don't have like there's a lack of technology there's like things are different in this world so you wonder like how does the rest of I guess like cinema and what have you work like I guess it's there's a certainly more caution when it comes to these kinds of things there's uh, well and with Nixon having been president for so long I mean his administration back before everything went down with Watergate. I mean, he, his administration, there was a lot inside there where they wanted to, you know, control the media more, to have more censorship, to all of that kind of stuff. So the fact that that in that, in that world, Watergate didn't happen, he was president for a couple decades, I'm sure that that's where a lot of this but came from. I think it actually sp- speaks more to the fact, well, I think it actually yeah. speaks more to the fact that Redford has been president for like right. twenty years. Well, because yeah. like you, you think about you know, think about the New York that Rorschach was walking through, where it's you know like the hookers are all over the place. It's just mm-hmm. a nasty, disgusting area right. to begin with, and then after that ends, you have a whole new version of where things are more invites yeah. ideas like utopian to an extent. Yeah, and I, I seemingly just, on the surface. Right. But that, that warning to me was more of a statement on the Redford uh, administration than Nixon. I mean, it was like, you know, everything, of course, you know, you would imagine the media you know, would be the least offensive media possible. So to tell this story, they would have to, you know, violence, drug use, you know, murder, all this stuff, right? It's kind of where we are. I mean, the reaction kind of, it's a little bit of that now. I mean, where there's a very much the yeah. sensitivity to not trying to offend anyone. In media now, yep, exactly. So yep. it, you can tell he's probably they're playing on that somewhat for sure. Yeah, but man, but to tell the story though, they have to have that disclaimer. Um, they, so they, um, the um, Hooded Justice is played by Cheyenne Jackson, which I noticed as well, who's on American Horror Story quite a bit. Just uh, oh. more 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 fun that they're having. With the I, I, I read somewhere I read somewhere that Ryan Murphy was going to do a, a cameo somewhere in this, but he ended up not being able to or something. Mm. Uh, cause him, I wonder him what and get along so well. 
I wonder what the parental warnings will be in front of the television adaptation of um, the the Watchmaker Son, the play. Oh, we'll get to that. That'll be brought, <laughs> yeah. that'll be brought to you by a Grant. A grant it's off from Broadway. The, yeah. it'll, it'll be on PBS. Brought to you by Grant from the Vite Industries Corporation. More <laughs> likely. And, fo- well, guys, and like, viewers I like you. Get going. Oh, well, thanks um, for joining us, Aaron. I put you could. Yeah, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry I couldn't be on longer, but I was happy to stop by and talk about one of my favorite parts of the episode anyway. <laughs> so. Okay, enjoy that. summary of your thoughts? Uh, yeah, no, I really like the episode. I think it does a great job of keeping things moving forward. It's not just like a repeat of the pilot. It's like, no, we're hitting the ground running, and we're going to keep going. We're going to keep developing stuff. I um, Seeing more Louis, Louis Gossett Jr. in general, it's like, Oh, great. I haven't seen him in a while. He's doing like everyone on the show is doing a terrific job. So good on him for being a part of this thing. Right. Um, and then at the end, I'm just like, I don't know what's happening as far as where he went. I have my ideas, but we'll see. At the same time, when Boosty Boy's Eggman kicks on, I'm like, oh, my God, this is the best. Right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah. All right, guys. We uh, as there as we hear this, um, you know, long, long, overlong parental discretion advisory. We uh, cut to several places, from Topher to, uh, we see Looking Glass, uh, peeling the foil off a TV dinner, and then peeling the foil off of himself. He's still wearing his mask yeah. at home. <laughs> Very Rorschach-like, right? Yeah, no doubt. Like, you see him with the spoon and everything, and just like, mm-hmm. he's still he's still eating with the, he still has his mask on at home. That was wild in the most Rorschach yeah, way. I wrote, I wrote in the most Rorschach way possible. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just wondering if he has something wrong with his eyes, like light sensitivity or something, to why he keeps it down all the time. But maybe it's know. just him. I don't know. No, because he, it's funny because in the first episode, yeah, he took he, it all when the way they, off. he's in the hospital, one's supposed to take it off, and and the ball, you know, and the and the captain told him. To put it, he had to tell him to put his mask back on when he was talking to him, when he was putting on his suit. Oh, yeah. yeah. So this is a difference. Like, I was like, wait, I thought at first, I thought, oh, he's going to not, you know, he's going to be one of the ones that's going to get sloppy and not put the mask on when he should. And then you're going to know who he is a little, you know, further on in the in the season. But in this, you see, it's a total difference. It's like, uh, it's like that's his real face. And the human face is the mask. I wonder if they're going to play with that. Or he's naturally that guy. That's that's looking glasses. Who he is all the hmm. you know when he when yeah. he's more, when he's in a comfortable situation, but he's trying to fake like he's more of a human. You know, I mean, like he's trying to be more cordial when he's with the other officers. I mean, Rorschach definitely has the thing of of where he was Rorschach all the time. He was no longer yeah. who he was otherwise. So. You could right, be the same right. way with Looking Glass, you know. Yeah. So, um, we also see the Seventh Cavalry. They're putting together what looks like a bomb vest. I'm thinking that that's the first thing I thought it was. I look yeah. like a like a suicide bomber vest kind of thing. And they're smoking. Are they smoking weed in that scene? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's I, thought I thought so. I thought so yeah. too, but I wasn't sure. I'm like, I, I rewound it. I'm like. Yeah, it looks like they're smoking a bunch of weed while they're doing this. That's what it looked like. I don't know if I'd be, you know, riding the Pineapple Express while I was wiring a bomb, but whatever, you know. Well, they're already not that, they've shown that they're not that bright. Yeah, yeah. Already, so, yeah. Anyway, we go back to American Hero Story. That's Ralph Mueller, pulled dead from the East River. (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, I'm not going to do that raspy voiceover, but he's like, the, the raspy voiceover is so, so very. Um, but he says that, uh, that he, not this omniscient narrator, says that he, not Mueller, was the real hooded justice. And he threw Mueller in the river and just threw off the trail, right? Uh, we then cut to 1939. We know it's 1939 because Wells, War of the Worlds, uh, is going on, on in the news. And there's a grocery robbery going on. And again, hyper-stylized, washed-out colors, very, very Snyder-esque. And uh, as these guys are, like, trying to rob, you know, they, sh they shoot off the, the uh, store storekeeper's ear. And then... Uh, in through this giant plate glass window comes Hooded Justice, uh, smashing a guy. Oh, he breaks bones. He stabs a guy. He gets. A, he puts another guy as a human shield to shoot a guy. Oh, then, so cool! And then he smashes He's a not dude's gentle. Then he smashes the dude's noggin with a cash register. Yeah. Into a fine paste. It's very much like he watched. Uh, it's very much like he did Batman scene and, and Batman vs Superman. That was crazy, but that uh, warehouse. Yeah. But uh, the the shopkeeper is like, "Who are you?" And <laughs> and then he goes into a monologue. I, I wrote yeah. parts of this, the funniest parts of this down. Who am I? When I was little, every time I looked in the mirror, I saw a stranger staring back at me, and he was very, <laughs> very angry. <laughs> I never, I never felt comfortable in my own skin, so I made a new one. Oh, God, it was just, and as this, like, overwrought uh, narration is going on, we see Angela driving out to Judd's house for the wake. Yeah. And when she shows up, and I noticed this before, um, and then noticed it really after seeing it a second time, there's a lot of white people at Judd's house. A lot. There are all white people yeah. at Judd's house, except for Angela. Yes. Yes. And, uh, uh, Jane calls her over and gives her a big hug, and you know it's like you know, uh, and introduces her to Senator Joe Keene, who says, uh, you know, we'll give you anything we can to track down these animals. And Angel's like, oh, I'm not a cop anymore; I'm retired. And he's like, yeah, right, sure, <laughs> right. And as they're talking, Definitely. as they're talking, uh, she faints, which looks so real. It did. Maybe she yeah. really did faint, you know? I believed it. I believed I it. I did, the, too. The, I didn't think it was what it returned. Yeah. Uh, That's acting. Yeah. Uh, Jane tells Angela that Judd really loved her, and uh, she wants her to get those efforts that killed him, and then leaves her to sleep on a guest bed. So as soon as you know, Jane, uh, you know, Jane's out of uh, earshot, she puts on some night owl goggles, looks like. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Uh, goes through Judd's room and finds a hidden closet in Judd's room, uh, not holding a crime-fighting suit. No. But a clan robe with a sheriff star on it. Again, using that motif, right? Mm -hmm. yep. The blood Which of the I, sheriff star. I kind of felt like that something was up like that. Like, you got a sense that something was... Um... That it was something like, especially when you got to the house and you saw all, you know, mostly white people there. Right, right. Something was going up when it was up. Yeah, when I saw that, I'm like, it, I don't see any people I recognize here. Again. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Angela leaves in a hurry. And as she leaves, a close-up, uh, there's a close-up on the painting that the uh, uh, episode gets its title from. And it's like, mm-hmm. uh, it shows a Comanche warrior hiding on the side of his uh, horse. Um, so he couldn't be seen by another warrior. Like a kind of a, de- a deception move, right? So right. Uh, getting close. Hiding Very on the by, nose. Hiding behind yeah. the white horse. Um, yeah. We then cut away to Adrian Veidt. And his wonderful whales house, <laughs> where he has it, where he has a tree that grows friggin' tomatoes. Uh, uh, alert to some people might not might not know tomatoes don't actually grow don't. on trees. No, <laughs> yeah, they, don't. they grow on vines. I grow a lot of tomatoes. I can tell you. And yeah. uh, he comes over and uh, he's riding his horse, and he picks a tomato out of the tree. He takes a bite of it, but he doesn't like it really. He kind of squeezes mm-hmm. it out. And it looks like water more than it looks like anything. It looks like it's just no taste. I think you get the feeling that it's probably no taste to it. Right. Like well, that's what happens water. when you hybrid a tomato plant with an apple tree. I mean. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Uh, we then cut uh, to Adrian and uh, Mr. Phillips and Miss Crookshank. Uh, they've given him another cake identical to the one we saw last episode. But and now he's, like, he's irritated. Yes, right? he's he's bored. Like, yes, he's like, come on, come on, get on with it. And he starts talking about, uh, in reference to the play that he's written, that we mentioned last uh, uh, episode, um, he tells Ms. Crookshanks, want real tears tonight. Uh, we then move to this little theater, I guess somewhere else in the castle. Uh, there's a big sign that says Gila Flats, 1959. And there's this incredibly florid retelling of uh, Dr. Manhattan's origin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my love, allow me to get you your watch, which is locked in yonder. You know, it's like incredibly overblown, very florid mm-hmm. writing, of course. Um, and uh, they get to the point where he's locked inside, and Miss Crookshank kind of blows her line, and uh, and um, Ozymandias has to, like, cure her. It's as pen- impenetrable as a Gordian knot itself. Which is a callback to Ozymandias being influenced by Alexander. He was the one who cut the Gordian knot. It was a big reference in the original comic. They kept the Gordian knot kept coming over, up on, over and over again. Um, so she kind of flubs the line. He talks her through it, and then Mister Phillips, who's in the little booth they've made to be the intrinsic field generator, uh, is set on uh, alive, uh, on fire, alive. Um, yeah, horribly on stage. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Miss Crookshank cries real tears. Um, then we see another figure lowered from the ceiling, painted blue, naked, and wearing a fencing <laughs> wearing a fencing mask to make him look a little bit like Doctor Manhattan. And uh, Janie says, or Miss um, Crookshank is playing. Janie says, Not, uh, "Is this the end?" And then uh, Doctor Manhattan says, "Nothing ends. Nothing ever ends." Which, of course, were her la- his last words to Ozymandias before leaving at the end of the Watchmen uh, graphic novel. Right. You get um, a you get a sense that he is just reliving his highlights. You know, like after that day, he really doesn't have anything else. He, he, I guess since he had to go into hiding and stuff. Right. Well, I mean, you see the genetic engineering experimentation with the tomato tree, yeah. right? And if you remember in the original comic, he had those um, Asian twins mm-hmm. who were like his uh, his uh, um, yeah. 
uh, uh, hand, uh, hand uh, bodyguards and stuff. And remember, they just sat down in the snow and allowed themselves to die. I'm thinking, what, yeah. if they were, what if they were... Well, we find out in the next scene that every single person that was in this uh, play, all, everybody backstage, all the people playing music, everyone that doesn't invite is either a clone of Mr. Phillips or a clone of Miss Crookshank. So I was yeah. thinking, like, maybe the, the Asian servants were, like, his first go. You know, or Budastis so. maybe his first yeah. try. And then the Asian servants and now this, because he has a whole bunch of these clones. Um, but he's bored by them. Like, oh, it's, totally. it's almost like he feels totally alone, even though he has, a, you know, all these clones walking around. And he Just keeps... like the fruit. I think it's... Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. When he's well, eating that tomato, and it, yeah. no taste to it. Like, he's living in a bland, boring... You and know, he keeps world. sniping at them too, you know, and he's yeah. like, you know, should it occur to me? I wish something would occur to you, Mister Phillips. You know, he's just like, they're they're not very bright, and he's very impatient. No, yeah, you know? there's um, nothing interesting in this. Would you world. Like, like to be the new Mister Phillips? He wants the well, yeah. It's the, a, one of the clones that says, "Should I take him down to the base of the you know, the dead Mister Phillips down to the basement?" And uh, he's like, "What is your name?" He says, "Montrose." And he says, "Would you like to be the new Mister Phillips?" So Mr. Phillips and Miss Crookshank is probably like the highest rank of clone, yeah. right? And he's playing God, service. right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, he's 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 God in this little you know little world that he's on, his little mansion on this little island or whatever he is. And it, God's not happy. God is bored. Like there's no one to play with. He needs and to so, get one of those magnetic building sets. That'll keep him. He controls, uh, yeah, but by this guy, he, he controls everything in this, you know, in this little area, its own little bubble. But he's just irritated. He looks just irritated by it. Like he's trying to pretend he's, you know, everything's great and he got what he wanted and I did what I wanted to do and I'm, I was right. You know, he's trying to, you know, it seems like he, for the first two episodes, that's what we get the sense of. He's been doing I was right thing, right? Like there's no, guilt to it but deep down it's like you know you won but what did you really win yeah i also have this nagging feeling that he's not either on the surface or on the planet at all like Hmm. i just get this feeling because like he is so isolated and they can't find him right and yeah so i was wondering you know because manhattan's building that replica on the moon what if that's in the past it's showing us that or something? I don't know. I'm just wondering if he has taken like prisoner and has him on, not the moon, but uh, Mars. Mars. Or he's found a way to go into space and go to Mars. I mean, for all we know. Or it could be virtual. I mean, they do the holographic technology we saw. In, you know, that, oh, yeah. yeah. Good point. That, what, that's if, what, it. If, yeah. what if it's all virtual? You know? yeah, it could very good. well be. It could be either one because he does have teleportation technology when he teleported the squids, or yeah. it could just be, yeah, he built a holographic room, you know, a big set kind of thing, and it makes it look like it's a whole big island or whatever, but it's just him on that mansion in that one spot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, it's not. It's it's almost like he feels like he's in prison. But yeah, it's between, the prison of his own making. Between the between the series on this and the DC TV podcast, we have a lot of series this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, Isn't that what we do? <laughs> kind of. Um, 
they take before they take Mr. Phillips' dead body down to the basement, and he says, "We will have a use for him soon enough," which I was like, "What? What are you yeah, doing, exactly. dead, dead Mr. Phillips?" But he gets his uh, gold watch back that he let him use as a prop in the play. And uh, Ms. Crookshank says, did it stop? And she goes, oh, and he says, oh, no, it's just beginning. Um, we then go back to uh, Milk in Hanoi. <laughs> I'm sorry, that pun is going to get me every time, I'm sure. Uh, Will is making himself some hard-boiled eggs They got across the street at the market. <laughs> um, uh, Angela confronts Will about the clan robes and says, uh, you know, you, you know, you said he had skeletons in his closet. He goes, I didn't mean it literally. <laughs> right. But Funny. sure enough, that's what he she found there. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, he you know, asked her if she wants some eggs. Now, I noticed he put his hand right in the water. Yeah. To get out the eggs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that had to be some hot water because the timer had just gone off. Yeah, there's something. Like, you feel like there's something different about him. Like, right. it's just that feel of it, even though on the cert again, on the surface, he just looked like an old man, right? Feeble old man. But there's something to this dude. Like, you just, you know, she knows it, too. Like, she feels something different about this guy or she wouldn't be hiding him. Right. She would have taken like, him in immediately. Yeah. Well, especially with what she's about to find out. Well, well, yeah. well I mean, he actually even says that to her. She goes, I'm just going to take you in. He goes, if you were going to take me in, you would have done it by now. Right. Um, but he's kind of befuddled when she's, like, trying to hit him with, like, details. And he's like, oh, mm -hmm. I, you know, I couldn't get on second floor. I couldn't plant that, you know. So that's another theory she has, that he planted that for her to find, right? Right. Um, he says, well, you said, you know, you could, you, you said you strung up my chief of police. And he's, you know, 200, you know, 200 pounds and stuff. Um, and then uh, Will says, uh, kind of offhandedly, it's okay. I'm about to be rescued anyhow. I have friends in high places. Literally. And, th and this is when he pulls the hard-boiled eggs out of the hot water with his bare hands. I really yeah. notice that a lot. I'm like, dude, I'm a chef, and I can't do that, okay? I mean, I can it's slip. like a sense can... of strength again, right? He gets yeah. confidence, even though he backpedaled a little bit earlier. But now it feels like he's, it's like everything is going according to plan with him. Right. As she's trying to break him down, uh, break it down, um... The call comes in about Will's DNA. Uh, it says that he is eligible for refrigerations or whatever, uh, mm -hmm. being a Tulsa, um, you know, survivor, and that he has two descendants. And uh, it turns out Angela is his granddaughter. I knew it. We don't find out who the other descendant is, though. Like, no. Mom or dad or whatever. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, she, he says, your parents never told you about me. And she, you know, shakes her head. No. Uh, and she, she's like, why are you here? And he said, I, I wanted to meet you. I wanted to show her, show you where you came from. Uh, but she is tired of his old man foolishness. Mm -hmm. So she's like, come on, we're taking you downtown. And she puts him in the car. And as she's folding up his, uh, uh, wheelchair to get that into the car, a giant magnet comes down out of the sky. <laughs> yeah. Grabs her car with Will in it and takes off. Just like that. Just like that. Does that look all shipish to you? It sure did. It sounded like it, too. It kind of had yeah. that sh shape from underneath, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it was like a giant, like, 
like wrecking crew size magnet, you know. Oh yeah. And it carried him off into the sky. He just kind of waved as uh, he went by. And as um, Will flies off, the the flyer that we started the episode with that says "Watch over this boy on the other side" floats down, and Angela catches it, mm-hmm. and it just says "WTF." And then we cut to the Beastie Boys, Eggman. I think we all said "What the f?" Yeah, and, uh, that yeah. scene happened. I know I did. <laughs> yeah, I know I did too. What did we just see? Oh, man. Now, I know we aren't rating them like we do on The Walking Dead or anything, but i got to say, I do not think the show missed a step at all. No, I don't think so If either. anything, I'm even more invested, more interested in what's going on. They didn't lose me. Um, a lot of times when people are trying to do world building or whatever, sometimes they mm-hmm. go too, too hard, too fast, too much info. This is just kind of letting you kind of live in the world and kind of see how it works, you know what I mean? Yeah, if we were rating it... This would be another five minutes out of five minutes to midnight. <laughs> I'm not forbidding it. You can well, you know, you can read it if you want, but you know, I'm not. I'm not going. Well, to. no, I'm just... I'm just saying though that like both episodes have sur- far surpassed my expectations, and agreed. I agreed. Oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't even have expectations for this show. I, I knew not. I I didn't know what to expect really. This is, but. Uh, I, I didn't mind. know, but go ahead. I'm sorry. I just tried to keep mine very low. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. I, I was like, if this is a decent show, then I'll be happy. And it's been way more than decent, so I am way more than happy. It's so funny how it's another kind of thing that was was everybody, you know, a lot of people thought would not work when it, it was first announced, right? There's not a belief that this could this could be something decent, like. Well, decent was the best that people could offer, you know, like thought, like maybe it'll be at least decent, but it couldn't be a good show, right? Another attempt to, to, uh, capitalize on Watchmen. Um, it just so reminds me how the Joker people reacted to the Joker being announced too. And look at where we are with both things right now. Um, being so successful, uh, with the ratings and stuff. Mm hmm. But, totally. uh, it's, 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 I think it was that last week it was the highest rated uh, cable TV show. Yeah, I would, I would be very surprised if it wasn't the highest rated again this year. So I would this be. Week. Yeah, week. and it wasn't supposed to work. This this shouldn't have worked, right? You just, just trying to redo Watchmen again, or you know, no one knew what this show was going to kind of be about at first. They kept it kind of guarded. They didn't really let us know too much information, which is a good thing, I think. Um. And to go in the direction that the show is going in, I mean, it's a very controversial thing. They didn't have to go in this direction. Uh, they didn't have to dig into race and politics, uh, especially now. Um, you know, this is such a, this could have been such a divisive, uh, show. It, it kind of is, but like... Well, kind of is, but... But, I mean, yeah. if you... I don't know, the critical reception has been really positive. Yeah, the yeah. Rating, the ratings have been very high. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, there, I think, in, uh, you know, going back to stuff we said in our Zero episode, I think if you come, uh, you know, at these issues in an entertaining way, in a well-written way, with good characters, mm-hmm. 
you know, then people are going to react well to that rather than, you know, like the anti-gun episode of Arrow or, you know, right. yeah. or stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, it, it, it really, you need to really, it's not even enough that you're good at, at writing and characterization. You also have to be able to weave that social uh, message or the social um, observation into the writing without it being too much either one way or the other. You know what I mean? Right. And you and have it's to a, keep it's a it tough tie rope. It's a, it's, yeah, exactly. And it's a tough tie rope to walk. So I really, really admire, um, you know, what they're doing here so far. So, yeah, he can write. I mean, I get little off as much crap as he gets for stuff. So the one of the things I think you can't deny is that he's good at uh, making characters human, whether they're villains or good guys. Um, he's really good at that. Like layering characters, um, I think mean, he did a great job with that in the leftovers. Uh, and with this, it's already like these characters are so layered to the point of, and we don't even know much about them yet. We only know like you know, it's like we're peeling. It's just little each episode is like a little bit more peeling of this world, and we learn a little bit more. And it, and every peel that comes off, it's like you just want to know more about it the museum to the you know to uh reparations uh redford nations of how they did how they're dealing with those massacres and and what you know other programs and how it's affecting the world and um just, you know and, and the, really really good world building really good yeah thinking, you know, thinking things out and um and it yeah. seems to be a really you know, more divide. It's so much like what we're going through now. I mean, it really feels that way. Like, just on one hand, we had a black president, right? It, it, on one hand, we had uh, uh, President Redford, who was very liberal, right? Very progressive. Mm-hmm. And it should be, and everything should be great now, right? Like that's the <laughs> that's the thing. Everything should be wonderful, but it's not. Everyone's right. not in the same place. Everyone's not, you know going to react to progress you know to to progressive ideas the same way as everyone else so there is this divide uh, um and then the way that the the uh and the way that the very conservative people are kind of dismissed by the government in a way a little bit or they feel dismissed and not heard um you kind of see that with the way the police deal with the the uh the Rorschachs, you know, the, the way they deal with them. It's, mm. it's, it's kind of that. It's almost yeah. like the police is just another gang. In this. Yeah, it is. And, that, it and, is. That's, and that's a huge statement on police violence and, and brutality and, yes. and an interesting perspective to look at, you know. Yeah, because there's no leadership once the captain is killed, right? Yeah, there's it's like, no who's in charge? I Nope, not me, you know. Let's go no beat up some dudes. There's yeah. No, yeah, yeah, there's no lieutenants or anything. It's just whoever has the strongest voice is the one in charge for the moment. And, and you see that it's a, man, I, I can't, when this is all said and done, like this is definitely one of those shows where you already feel like I have to rewatch it when it's all finished. Like you want to, you want to just rewatch it all oh, for sure. It's all yeah. done. Just to see how it all fit together from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. See what else you missed. Yeah. See what you might have, you know, what else that might, you, we might have not caught. You know, that'll be something that'll connect to a future episode. I mean, 
It's amazing stuff. I, it's gushing, but I, I don't care. I gush on this show because it's just so well done. Um, and I don't know if it's necessary, but in a way, I kind of would like to see them after this go back and readapt the graphic novel, but into a TV format because, you know, it can definitely hit on the beats that were missed by that movie. I think by the because it is a thing where you don't you think about it you don't want to do it again because it does have so much baggage. Um, but I think if this continues to be successful, like if it sticks the landing, because that's the hard part, right? To keep that momentum and then have a good ending for the for, for the season finale. Uh, because the one bad ending, we get Game of Thrones. One bad, you know, like some bad episodes and a bad ending, a show is punished for it. So if they can maintain that um, and end well, I, I could I could see them saying, well, maybe the world is comf- more comfortable. Maybe we could get away with doing a, a Watchmen uh, TV show because they, especially with that HBO Max and they need content, right? They already own it. That could be already talking about doing things like this, you know, doing like films on that app. Maybe they could, uh, uh, you know, so. if you know, Lindelof wanted to do another season, cool. But if not, they could always, you know, flip it over to another creator. Right. You know, just it would be another Watchmen thing, but it wouldn't yeah. be Lindelof. You know. Yeah, it could. It could. Yeah. It could be That'd the be case. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's about it for uh, for we watch Watchmen. For, episode, yeah. uh, for the second episode of the show. Yeah. Uh, Daryl, where can the fine folks find you on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me uh, recording with Jim and uh, Donnie on Nothing's On, which is a TV and movie podcast, and we have a lot of fun doing that. And we have been catching up with a lot of the fall TV stuff. And uh, I think Jim does a great job of keeping up with the news, the TV and movie news. And we got a lot this week. That will be coming up. It's a weekly show. We got a lot already oh, yeah. half a week. This is only in the middle of the week we're recording this. I don't know when this is coming out, but in the middle of the week we're recording this. There's a lot of news. A lot of lot of the amping of the streaming wars is is a coming. I'm uh, gonna record a week from this or not this week, but next week it'll be the uh, opening uh day of Disney Plus. I know, yeah, yeah, and I'll, you know, so we will have that, and we'll have the Apple TV, which is already, if you have, all you need is an Apple device that's recent, and you can watch the Apple TV shows. Um, so it, it's going to be something, this, this this streaming war. So yeah, we'll be doing that, and also uh, DC TV has been amping up. All the D- DC shows on the uh CW are amping up for the upcoming crisis uh, storyline that'll be hitting very soon. Uh, and we definitely, uh, me, Jim and Chubb and, and Jerry, we, we definitely are uh, keeping up with that. And uh, we try to keep it as either every other week or, or weekly if we can, but we're keeping up with the episodes that so we're preparing you for the, the coming crisis. Uh, so definitely check that out on DC TV on the uh, the uh, DC All-Stars uh, feed um, for that. So, uh, yeah. And, Rich? 
um, on DC TV, like Daryl mentioned, on the Walking Dead TV podcast, right here, and on all the socials at zero at Jumptoad zero one. And it sounds like the police are coming for you, Daryl. I thought they were coming for you. Uh No, they know I'm here. They're coming for me this time. Uh oh. Okay. You should have worn your mask. I know. Damn it. (laughs) I got cleaned up the murder shed, right? I got hungry. I took my mask off while I was eating. I shouldn't have did it. Mm. They know it's me. Bad break for you, buddy. I know. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week on We Watch Watchmen. Not everybody. suggest we do about it retribution we can save this world why would i save the world i no longer have any stake in do it for me